Obtuse, episode 137. Drink from the well. The capacity to learn is a gift. The ability to learn is a skill. The willingness to learn is a choice. Brian Herbert. Have you ever just stopped to ponder the question, how does one become wise? If your aim was to reach your full potential for wisdom, how would you go about that journey? I think this is an important question that we need to ponder. The Bible commands us to be wise. And we know that wise people accomplish what God has set them out to do. Foolish people create havoc, discontent, and chaos. So how do we become wise? Now, I think every single one of us know that we are not born wise. We come out of the womb with very little wisdom. The wisdom that we're going to have, we're going to have to gain it from somewhere else. So if you're going to be a wise person, then you have to hunt for a well that contains wisdom. And when you find that well, you're going to have to drink deeply in order to gain the wisdom that you're going to need to accomplish what the Lord has for your life. Now, I think a lot of people would naturally say that to be a wise person, you're going to gain wisdom through experience. In other words, to be wise, I need to drink deeply from the well of experience. And the rationale is that familiarity with aspects of life equates to an understanding of how life works. The more life I live, the better understanding I have of how life actually unfolds for people. So we're tempted to believe that every year of experience that we have, that we're gaining another year's worth of wisdom. But the problem is, is that as we take a glance around the world, you pretty quickly realize that there are a lot of people who have lived a lot of life, but they have not learned a lot of wisdom. As one person opined, there's a lot of people that did not live 50 years of life. Rather, they lived one year 50 times. I think a great example of this is the person who's been married and divorced five times. They have a lot of experience with marriage, but you don't want to get marriage advice from them because they have no wisdom on how to keep a marriage. And inevitably, what happens with these people is that they're constantly trying to give you advice on how to make your marriage work because they have believed the lie that they have experienced a lot of different marriages they've learned from their mistakes. But that's not true because they keep repeating the same mistakes over and over and over again. Now, there's no doubt that experience is an essential ingredient in the recipe for wisdom. If I'm not drinking deeply from the well of experience, if I'm not exposing myself to a variety of experiences, it will be impossible for me to become a wise person. At the same time, I need to acknowledge that experience alone is inadequate to make me wise. While we would like to believe otherwise, experience alone is not enough to maximize our wisdom potential. We're going to need something else. We're going to have to drink from another well. Now, at this point, we might be tempted to believe that experience coupled with introspection or or, or self-reflection leads to wisdom. So we say to ourselves, if I drink from the well of introspection, then I can be wise. Now, introspection is the process of stepping back in reflection on the experiences that we've had. And we step back from those experiences, we reflect on them to try to ascertain the principles and the lessons from those experiences. Introspection is very important. 
This reflection is in our thoughts, our actions, our desires, and the outcomes that we've had in different experiences that we have lived through. Introspection is a reflecting on your success and failure to try to understand why you experienced the results you got in a certain situation. And there's no doubt that introspection is a well that has a lot of sweet water in it. Self-reflection is a very, very important and valuable habit that one can develop in their life. This self-reflection is important because it will keep you from repeating the same mistakes in the past. It will allow you to learn from the hurt that you experienced. At the same time, introspection and self-reflection will allow you to learn how to harness your gifts and maximize your strengths. Introspection is how you will learn how to see what worked and more importantly, why it worked or what failed and more importantly, why did it fail so that you can take that information, you can rework it and you can apply it to the next experience that you have. In short, introspection allows me to gain understanding from my experiences. And this is invaluable. This is very, very important. However, once again, a wise person is going to understand that drinking from the well of introspection is not enough on its own to become a wise person. Why is that? Why are my experiences and then my introspection on those experiences not enough to become a wise person? Here's the answer. Because my experiences are narrow in scope. You see, every experience that we have had is limited to the space and the time in which we as individuals have lived out those experiences. And that space and time is a very narrow set of circumstances that will never be repeated again. You are a unique individual. I am a unique individual. And we are surrounded by unique individuals that also have unique experiences. And all of this difference, all this uniqueness, creates different experiences in different contexts. This is a very, very special recipe that I think the Lord has brought together for each of us to experience. None of us are going to live the same life twice. And none of us are going to live the same life that someone else is having. So I have to realize that every experience I have is unique. And it's very narrow in scope to the potential experiences that I can have in life. The other problem with my experiences that I need to recognize is that when I'm in the middle of an experience, it's very difficult for me to see all the determining factors that created the dynamics associated with that experience. I mean, think about it for just a moment. Let's say I go to the store and I go to a checkout line and I get into a conversation with a person and I feel like the Lord's leading me in that moment. I don't know what that person experienced before they got there. I don't know what the clerk experienced before I got there. I only know my experiences in that moment. And so I'm very limited in my knowledge. And that can be said for all of our experiences in life. Every experience we have, we can only see it from our perspective. And rarely do we have insight into the dynamics that brought that experience about. Life is like, you know, walking in a parade. I can see immediately what's in front of me, immediately what's behind me, but I cannot see the larger perspective of the parade that's creating the dynamics of why I'm walking down this certain route. So we have to be aware of this. Introspection 
never breaks out of my own context. I'm never able to test my assumptions or validate the principles that I think I've learned. And if I'm not careful, I can misread the information and start believing a lie. Let me give you an example of this. There was a period of time when people believed that the earth was flat and the universe revolved around the earth. Why did they believe that? Because from their perspective, that's what made sense. They saw the sun come up in the east, set in the west. Therefore, the sun must rotate around the earth. It wasn't until they broke out of their context and started to explore and gain a larger perspective that they understood that we are actually rotating around the sun. So if we want to be wise, we have to do the same thing. We have to break out of our own perspective in order to gain understanding and wisdom. In other words, we need to contrast our experiences next to someone else to start to develop a pattern of outcomes. Now, at this point, we might be led to believe that to become wise, we need to drink from the well of mentorship. If I need to break out of my own context and contrast my life to someone else, then I need a mentor in my life to help do that. You, you look around and you instantly see that there are people that are, have more wisdom than you do. They have, more, they have lived more life than you have. They have reflected on those experiences and they've gleaned some principles that they've had others speak into their life. And you say, that's what I need. I need one of those people to bring context. And there's no doubt that mentors are a well that is rich with wisdom. And so you start seeking those people out. And when you find yourself in the presence of a wise person, you see this as a gift, as an opportunity in time that might never happen again. So you seize the moment. You start to ask these wise people questions. And then you listen intently and you internalize what they're saying so that you can go back and contrast their experiences next to yours. You start looking at what they did and the results they have, and then you compare that to your actions and your results. You start testing your assumptions next to their principles. You evaluate the guiding principles that you've learned through the blood, sweat, and tears of their experiences. You contrast their successes to your failures and your failures to their successes. You, you realize that you can live vicariously through these people's experience of pain and you can also live through their secrets of success. And when you finish these conversations with these people, you, you take these bits and these pieces and you start processing them down into a workable model or a workable tool and you apply that to your situation. Anybody with any amount of wisdom at all sees that that is an invaluable gift to be able to drink from the well of mentorship from someone else. This is a rich well, and I do not believe that one can be wise until you have sat at the feet of a wise sage and listened intently to the wisdom that they hold on to. I am a huge personal advocate of carrying around questions on your phone. We've talked about this in the past. So that when you find yourself in the presence of a wise person, you are prepared to drink deeply. Those questions are the cup that you're going to dip into the well that you're going to drink that water from. However, here's the problem with this well. While the well of mentorship is rich in wisdom, it's also a shallow well. This well is still limited by the exposure that you have to the proximity of other people. Like how many people in your life 
can you have a deep relationship with where they're willing to let you into their life, where they're willing to be vulnerable, to share their success and their failure? How many people with a rich well of experience have the time to invest in you in a way that they need to for you truly to understand their wisdom and to be a well-rounded person? Furthermore, there are a lot of wise people who are successful in life, but they struggle to articulate their wisdom into a palatable manner in order to help you. And the reason why they struggle with this is because no one's ever asked them the questions before. The other problem that you're going to run into is that the circles of people that are in your life are probably a lot like you. And even though they're smarter than you are, they have more experience than you are, they have more wisdom than you do, you probably share some of the strengths and weaknesses that they have. You probably share some of the interests and you probably share the same culture because you live in the same region. In a sense, the wisdom being shared could maybe potentially actually be creating an echo chamber that's creating some inbreeding in the process. Have you ever seen a family share advice on the same generational struggles and sin they all have? What's going on there? They're, they're perpetuating an inbreeding of this, quote, wisdom that's really not wisdom at all. And so we have to be careful of this well. What if there was a well that was deep and wide? What, what if there was another potential source of wisdom? What if there was a well of wisdom that was so expansive within the finite limits of your life that you could never drink all the water. You could never absorb all the wisdom that this well has. It's a seemingly never-ending supply of wisdom that you cannot exhaust. My friends, let me tell you, there is a well of wisdom, and that well is called literature. There is a never-ending amount of wisdom solidified for all of time within the pages of of books. Now, I know that this is what a lot of people do not want to hear. A lot of people do not enjoy reading. A lot of people think that those who read books lack common sense, that those who read are stiff or boring. I hear all the arguments. And indeed, there is some validity to these arguments. There are some worthless books out there that are in print simply to make a profit. There are some people who bypass the wells of experience, introspection, mentorship, and they put their thoughts down into a book and there is zero value there. There are also people who read books who have bypassed the well of experience, introspection, and mentorship, and they thought that they could read books and become wise just by reading. And then there they lack a common sense. This is all very dangerous. This is all possible. At the same time, a wise person is going to realize that when you take your experiences and you couple them with introspection and you have mentors in your life, that the source of wisdom found in books is a contrast that's just hard to begin to imagine for the species of humanity. A wise person will realize that books are a deep, rich, and wide well that will supply them with a a steady stream of wisdom their entire life. You cannot overestimate the value that books and literature have for you to become a wise person. Now, the question then becomes this. Well, how do books create this well? I, like, can't I listen to a podcast or watch a movie instead? Well, you see, developing literature, developing a book, is a unique process 
that can codify wisdom in a way that no other medium or media can do. Think about the process of developing a book. An author has to actually have ambition to write something down, something that had to spark inside them. Then they have to slowly and methodically write their thoughts onto a piece of paper, which produces a higher quality product than if they just spoke it out loud off the tip of their tongue, off the top of their mind. Authors, most of the time, then have to go through an editorial process, which further refines those thoughts and findings into a more rounded product. Authors then traditionally have to convince other people, publishers, publishers who have read hundreds of manuscripts, that their ideas found on these pages have value. And this separates the wheat from the chaff from, from those of us wanting to read from wasting our time on things that are not wisdom at all. Books record wisdom of an individual in a format that will outlive their life. If you find a book that's still in print and the author is dead, there is a high probability that book has something worth reading. If my life is completely built on mentors, that mentor will probably die before I do because they're older and wiser than I am. And when they die, their wisdom might die with them. Books preserve wisdom practically forever. Here's another aspect of books that people don't recognize a lot. Books put you in rooms with people that you would not meet otherwise or have access to. You realize that there are people out here in the world that you will never get an audience with. They are smart people. They're wise people, but you'll never be in proximity to them. But when they put their thoughts on paper and then you buy that book, it's like sitting across a table with them and they're telling you what they deem the most important for you to understand. Books expand the list of potential mentors in your life to an almost limitless number. You know, we used to ask that question as a kid. If you could meet anybody dead or alive, who would you want to meet? Well, with a book, it gives you the opportunity to meet an author's intimate thoughts in a way that you can't do any other way, even if they're dead. Books allow you to expose your mind to a wider variety of knowledge, which allows for greater context. Books allow you to interact with people who grew up in completely different situations, completely different times, centuries, millennia from you completely different cultural dynamics. And if those principles transcend those boundaries, then you know that's a principle worth applying to your life. Books allow you a greater understanding of the dynamics associated with experiences. A, a, a larger sample size of why certain principles work and others don't. So while I love a good podcast, I mean, I'm recording one at the moment. I think there's a lot that you, and I think there is a lot that you can learn from a podcast. There there is not an adequate rep uh, replacement for a book. And podcasts are not adequate rep uh, replacements for a book. Books have a proven track record of transferring wisdom, providing contrast, and giving palatable principles that a person can then take and filter into their own life. Now, I know what a lot of people are going to say. I just hate reading books. I can't focus. I don't enjoy reading. That's fine. You, you can hate reading all you want. But you have to acknowledge the fact that if you refuse to read, you are artificially limiting your potential capacity for wisdom. You are going to limit your wisdom to your own experiences, your own understanding of those experiences, and the people in your own circle. Now, you might be a wise person. You might have great insights and understanding. You might be the smartest person in the room. You might be the wisest person in your circle. However, if you fail to read... You are neutering and stagnating your own growth potential. And you will never realize your full potential until you pick up a book.
Now, that's your choice. You can do that, but it's not going to be my choice. I feel like God has given me the gift of life, the gift of a calling, the gift of a purpose, and I don't want to limit that potential because I don't want to labor in drawing from the water from the well. I will be a reader. I might not be the smartest person in the room. I'm not the smartest person on this team, but I will attempt to do everything I can to maximize the potential that God has given me in my life. Now, it doesn't need to be said that you need to be careful. Reading books does not make one wise. I said this a moment ago, but it's important to repeat. To inherit the benefits of reading, you have to reverse engineer the wisdom that we just talked about. You have to read. You have to have contrast of your reading to your own context and experiences to see if it resonates in effect. You have to have, you have to take the principles of the book and then apply them to your context and test those principles to see if they're actually going to be effective for you. All the book is doing is giving you another tool for the toolbox. Now, if there's so much benefit in drinking from this well, I think we got to ask the question, why do so many people not maximize it? You know, and I think, I think one of the obvious answers is that it's pain, you know, it's painful to have to read sometimes. It's laborsome. You know, you have to put forth effort. It takes more intentionality to pick up a book than it does to turn on the TV. It takes a little bit more cognitive effort to read a book than it does listen to a podcast. But there might be something deeper there. Jordan Peterson points out that learning can be painful. And I think he's onto something with this. You see, when you learn something, it causes a little bit of death inside of you. And it's painful. Because when you learn something new, it probably is going to show you that you were wrong somewhere else. And so perhaps a deep-seated assumption or a deep-seated belief that you have is actually wrong. And it wasn't right. If you grew up in church being told a certain thing, and then as you get older, you realize that that thing's actually not in the Bible, it can be very hard to break away from that. And I'm sure that anybody grew up in church, there was something that they heard over and over again that as they got older, they realized that wasn't actually in the Bible. And it was hard for them to, to come accept that truth. It hurt. It hurt a little bit to know that you were wrong. But in my opinion, it's worth it. I want to close with a proverb. Proverbs at chapter 8, verse 1 through 12. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portal, she cries aloud. To you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. O foolish, learn sense. Hear, for I speak noble things. And from my lips will come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is better than jewels. And all that you may desire cannot compare to her. I wisdom dwell with prudence and I find knowledge and discretion. Listen. Wisdom is calling. It's all around you. All you got to do is start drinking from the well.